good afternoon. Good afternoon. How's everyone today? Um, I was I was slightly amused to to find a meaning for the phrase "set for life." You know, just searching on Google, of course. In this day and age, you'll find anything on there, right? And um, that's like, for those who might not have heard that phrase before, it's about possessing sufficient resources. Let's hear somebody say yes. (laughs) Possessing sufficient resources. But this is where the definition just started going kind of like, you know, my thumb, my thumb went from there to like that. Specifically, financial, to last a lifetime. I mean, that's something, that's something common to all of us. I think, I think we all probably know that phrase and what it means, at least in that sense. And, um, you know, but we probably hold that meaning to differing degrees. Indeed, it's, it's an interesting mindset, um, and I say mindset, to hold, and one to hold for altruistic reasons, you know. Um, but if you're joining us today um, for the first time, we're continuing a sermon series um, which we've tagged Jesus, hope, humanity's only hope. And the series is based on Luke's account of the gospel. We're joining the account at verse 13 in chapter 12. And we'll walk through the rest of the chapter. Uh, What we'll do today is really listen to Jesus as he teaches a mixed multitude um, regarding this mindset. But there are several things that he touches on as we go through. And in a moment, if I can just ask you just to begin to either open your apps or open your paper Bible to Luke chapter 12 from verse 13, we'll see Jesus teaching against worldly materialism, against worry, against unfaithfulness. We'll we'll see him teaching against the love of ease, um, unpreparedness. We'll also see him teaching against division as he journeys in this, in this stage of the account, Jesus is actually journeying through Bethany and Judea on his way to Jerusalem with a mixed multitude in, ta- in tow. Um, yeah, much as I say he's teaching against many things, I'm, I, I really want to just dwell on getting set for life. I think that's a bit more interesting, right? <laughs> but of course, I will not diminish the truth of God's word as he speaks it. So let me ask you to read along. Uh, and see an overview of the text, then we'll come back and learn about getting set for life that's really life. So let's follow, um, turn with me, and follow as we read Luke chapter 12, from verse 13 to 59. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, Who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to 
them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I would say to my soul, Hmm, so you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then... You are not able to do as small a thing as that. Why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy, Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom his master will set over his household, to give them their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. 
Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. Father, we just ask for you to guide us, Lord. This is a lot of um, word to go through, even just looking at it, but Father, we just ask that you guide us, conduct us through this. Let's hear what you will have us hear. Um, as Jesus spoke to the disciples and spoke to the crowd, Lord, we pray that even the very things they heard, um, as it also applied to them, Lord, we in our day, as we read with Theophilus, looking over his shoulder at this orderly account that Luke's prepared for him, um, that we may know the certainty of the things that we have been taught and the things that we have believed about Jesus Christ. Guide us, Lord God, even in your word today, even as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's several things in the passage that leave us thinking from the start about you know, being set for life. I mean, let's start with the guy in verse 13 who, mid-journey, Jesus is talking to a crowd and somebody throws it out there, you know. The picture that came to my mind was one of those Judge Judy episodes and the person is making claims in front of the judge. 
Yeah, he did. And he's like, he should tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus is like, hey, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? It's almost like, what's that got to do with me? What has it got to do with me? Because here is the Lord, the one who is preaching, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And here's this brother in the crowd. Tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. This is your business already. Why do you want to drag me into this? Reminds me of Jesus being challenged in many different ways with interjections. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or no? And he's like, uh, who's, get me a denarius. Whose image is on it? Caesar? Okay. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. And give to God what's God's. This indeed is like an interjection into um, his purpose. Here's a Lord heading for, for Jerusalem with the kingdom of God in mind, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, but someone in the crowd is wanting, Lord, address my situation for me. What's the, what's the thing to learn here? Well, we may come to Christ with things that we want sorted out for ourselves, whereas there are civil arrangements for these things to be handled. Um, you would recall, and because of time, I'm not going to go really deep into these references, but in the account of Ruth and her mother-in-law, after a famine, returning back to Israel, returning back and finding, wow, okay, things have really changed. God has favored us in this place, and there is an inheritance. There is a young bride at stake, and uh, Ruth's, uh, Ruth's mother-in-law is trying to settle things for her. And there is, cut the long story short, an inheritance involved. And where it comes to, okay, who gets to have this bride? The bride is presented, the, 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 the kinsman who has the right to inherit steps forward and wants to inherit but finds, oh, wow, Okay, there's this bride involved. I don't want to get involved in this. My point in bringing this out is that there are arrangements. There are arrangements for these kinds of civil matters to be settled, not something for the Lord to be involved in. And he elaborates on this going further. This guy wants to be set for life, so to speak, having his brother share the inheritance with him. Who knows what the story is behind that? We don't know much detail about why that is, but the Lord um, makes a, the Lord makes, uh, uses this opportunity to teach the crowd. And we move on to verse 15. And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Mind you, he's not necessarily making, let's not jump to the conclusion that he's making a judgment about this guy who wants his brother to share inheritance with him. But here is a teaching opportunity. Beware of every kind of covetousness. 
The looking into this, um, uh, what the Lord says here, and thinking about the mindset, the Lord highlights a mindset here, covetousness, that is having an excessive greed or desire for more. And he elaborates on it. That's how, when we look at, look at it in its context, he elaborates on it in verse, going on from verse 16 to 21. One's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Covetousness here is indeed, I already have some, but I want some more. I already have a great car, a great wardrobe full of clothes, but boy, these jeans would look good in maybe some bright orange, and I want that as well. I like these shoes, but you know what? I want them in another color as well. And the next thing I'm thinking about is, okay, where am I going to put all this stuff? And it's just so apt that Jesus takes the opportunity to share a parable. He lays, he brings a picture and lays it alongside the point he's making about an inordinate desire for more. We can extend that to so many areas of life. Okay, I'm in a relationship, I'm married, and I want more that my marriage offers to me. We can extend that so far and it'll take us so many places. No wonder the mindset is really challenged right there to take heed and beware. It's a warning. Let me call your attention to this. Don't ignore this. And in the parable that follows... Jesus talks about, and we read through it, the ground of a certain man. Watch his focus. This guy is already, look at verse 16. He's a certain, what kind of man? There's a modifier there. A rich man. He already has plenty. He already has plenty. But guess what? His land yielded even plentifully. Wow. Wow. What do I do? What do I do? (laughs) And he's looking for a room. What does he decide to do? What he decides to do is, if if you look with me, what does he say he will do? Tear down his bonds. What's wrong with your bonds? You're a rich guy already. You have bonds and there's plenty in it. All right. And what does he decide to do? He wants to build greater bonds. Okay, that would be nice. Maybe you're going into food processing soon. And you will distribute the food. (laughs) But what does he say further? I will store all... Whose crops? My crops. They're his, of course. He's free to do what he likes with them. No, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But look at verse 19. I will say to my soul, soul. Chill, relax. You're set for life. You're really set. 
something you missed out. And this is what the Lord draws and teaches the crowd. The lesson is there. I think it's, it, it doesn't need belaboring. Can you see it in verse, what verse? Verse 20. I hope you're following with me. Verse 20. He points it out. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. The term full feature comes to mind. If you're familiar with the American housing industry, just like if you don't pay your mortgage and the loans come due, in fact, you stop and the, the, the company just writes, hey, guy, listen, we've had enough of all these late payments and not paying and paying half now, paying the full amount is due now. <coughs> Pay. God makes that demand of his soul. Interesting thing, he missed out. That soul don't belong to him. Was he set for life? Curious, interesting question. But the lesson that Jesus teaches the crowd, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And is not rich toward God. Let's walk on. On account of this, Jesus goes on to elaborate even further um, and explain. I say to you, therefore, verse 22, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. I was just talking about, you know, if I wanted an orange pair of these jeans, or different color of shoes, blue maybe. I like blue. But here's what Jesus is making here in this point, in terms of getting set. How do we, I mean, are these guys getting set, if they want to get set for anything in his kingdom? He's teaching his disciples now. Um, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food. This got me thinking. I'm thinking, why are you laboring this point and just making this analogy? Life is more than food. I don't get it. Well, stop to think for a minute. You have a lot of food. Does that mean you have life? Or is food equal to life? Having plenty of food, as we just saw Jesus making a point, this life that this guy thought he had, he was set for life, but did he have life at the end of the day, even though he had so much food stored up? He did not. Life, indeed, is more than food. Having plenty of possession there doesn't make any difference to whether you have life or not. Having plenty to put on, I may have... <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting pictures of a walk-through walk wardrobe. <laughs> you know, pull out a drawer of watches and decide which one I want to wear. Is it the Rolex today or is it the... You know, I don't know the, not the names of these things. And that's not to say I hate them. <laughs> but... Having all of those things don't make any difference to the body. I mean, put them on the body. If the body 
ain't well enough to even wear those things, but I have so much of them. Does it make any difference? Does it help the body at all? No, not really. So in this, the point is, um, thinking about what you shall eat, considering the ravens, even going further now, Jesus makes the point to just lay it down. Look at the birds of the air. I mean, ravens we talk about in scripture. The pigeons out there, I think I've, I've said this out here before. There's so many places you go to where you see people just pull up, park their car, open the boot, and bring out these massive bags of bread or bird seed and all whatnot and just toss out there. And the pigeons then come land and feed and feast. And you think, wow, this is interesting. It reminds me of this passage of scripture. The ravens, they don't sow. They didn't go to that place where the car always pulls up and then, you know, plant, you know, seeds of barley, oats, or bread, or whatever, and then all of a sudden they came back one day and the bread and the grains were there for them to eat. They didn't do none of that. How basic can the Lord get just to make the point that, right, these ravens, they don't sow, the birds, they don't, uh, the lilies of the field as well, Wow, in spring, you check out the colors of the daffodils, of all those flowers. I only know daffodils because those are the ones, I, those are the ones I've only ever planted and tried to, you know, had a bloom of them. But I'm sure for those of you who've got green fingers, there's so many others that you see just come out lovely, looking so beautiful in their season. But that's not the point the Lord is making. The point he's making here is of how much more value are you than the birds, than the flowers, than the blooms that come out? And which of you by worrying, by taking thought of these things, um, if you're not able to add even one hour to your life by piling so much food, I'm just watching the clock because I've got long to go through. Let me just land this point with this. I don't know if you know anyone, and this is sensitive. I'm mindful of that. But when the uh, pandemic broke out in 2019, my goodness, you couldn't even get loo roll to buy. You couldn't get tinned fish or corn on tinned foods and all them things to buy. I, it just got me scratching my head and thinking, I wonder if there's anybody who's stockpiled all of these things. And that made no difference as to whether or not they came through that pandemic. It's just a thought. I'm not, I'm not making any indictments or anything, but the Lord is just you know, raising that point here. Stockpiling, worrying, being anxious about what we will eat, what we'll put on. And the point here is, the Lord who provides for these birds, the Lord who makes these blooms look so beautiful, they're of, you're of greater value and worth in his eyes than these. Will he not much more 
provide for you. That's the point. That is the point he's making here. Now, going on to drive the point home, rather than worry, hey, here's what to look for. Here's what to give priority. Here's what to pay attention to. Um, so rather than, oh, and, and in all of this, the Lord is not saying we shouldn't take care, we shouldn't provide, we shouldn't have food in our cupboards if we have a family to look after. Hey, don't, don't go away thinking, ah, so we shouldn't look after ourselves. No. He's, it's rather a worry to the point of distraction from what's important, what's really important, what's significant here. What is really key for me to look out for? Um, I believe it's in Luke chapter 10. We've, I think we've come through that passage already and verse 41, where the Lord was, imagine Jesus, the Christ, the Lord, right here in our presence. And just imagine we were there back in the day, right? And He's here teaching. He's here instructing. He's here talking about the kingdom of God to come. And my, I'm busy running to Tesco as the Sainsbury getting all the grub ready for when he finishes speaking rather than sit and listen to him. The Lord. This is the kind of thing that Martha missed. All that Jesus pointed out, Martha, you're worried about many things. But Mary has chosen the good part when she came out complaining, Lord, what's happening? You wouldn't let this girl come in the kitchen and help me prepare the sandwiches? <laughs> you know? But she's more concerned about at that time, you know, about dealing with things that were of less importance. So that, indeed, um, she missed out the opportunity, the good part that, you know, the Lord was delivering at the time. So, here's what's important. Let's place ourselves, verse 31, in this section where Jesus is laying down the point about worrying, about being set for life. And as he gets deep into this, we'll begin to see what life he is really talking about. Not so much life of the body, but life that is truly life. In verse 31, he says, Don't seek what you would eat. I'm reading from 29, rather. I beg your pardon. Or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things... The nations of the world seek. Even though I did that with, with kind of like nonchalance, it's important, you know. In the recent crisis or in the ongoing crisis between Hamas and or Palestine and Israel, or is it Hamas and Israel, whoever it is, there's been strong outcry. Please let the people in Gaza have something to eat at least. Let them have water. Let them have food. Let them have aid of some sort. They're important things. 
But more important, this is Jesus' emphasis. Everybody's looking for these things. And good news, your father knows that you need these things. He does. Just like the pigeons, where people take box loads of bread, God knows they need it too. But it says, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Essentially, to be set for life. Let's place once, this is calling the disciples, calling the crowd, place yourself under God's control. Allow your priorities to be molded by his values, by his purpose. God will provide these needs for his loyal servants. He will provide those needs. I was going to say something here, but I'll leave it. (laughs) The privilege as well to share in his kingship is ours. Verse 32. Don't fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, there's, a, there's every temptation at this point to, you know, to, to swing. Is it left or right? Which, which, which values are conservatives and which ones are liberal? Left is liberal. Right is conservative. You know, it's tempting at this point to swing all the way to the left and say, oh, yes, he's going to give us the kingdom. We're going to just, you know, ride in all the... Riding all the riches and the wealth of God and enjoy those things. That's, that's our portion. That's what we're meant to enjoy right now. Well, I may, be, I, may be, I may be using the wrong terms there. But um, the idea is that even walking with Christ in what he's working now or even those who were with him at the time, walking with Jesus Christ, seeing the the gospel of the kingdom of God preached, seeing souls saved, people having a, a hope of everlasting life given to them, seeing people come and be reconciled to God and have a hope of life that's truly life. It's the Father's pleasure that you share in that with him. Because what did the Lord come to do anyway? What did Christ come to this world to do if not to preach the gospel of the kingdom? If not to bring salvation? If not to reconcile anyone who's here today thinking, my, I am past redemption. I'm beyond God's help. There's nothing God can do to save me. My life is just so in the drains for God to even bother coming looking for me. Hey, little flock, it's your father's good pleasure to give you even the privilege of reaching right down there to bring salvation, to bring life, to offer life, and to have the lost set for life. Indeed, in God. So, quick question. Have you ever truly, as we follow this crowd, 
I don't know where we are, whether we're the one who wants the Lord to divide the inheritance for us, or whether we're concerned about what we're going to put on the table, or whether we're concerned about getting the latest iPhone 15, even though we have a 14 already. I don't know where you're at. But have you ever considered the privilege we have even to join with the Lord in praying about his will being done? I don't know you. I don't know who you know. Maybe someone who's actually actively involved in opposing everything that, that's good, in opposing the gospel of God being preached. You may know someone who's out there ready to pounce on you or pounce on someone who knows or pass, pass on anyone who's out there preaching the gospel just because mm, I don't like God. I don't like all these things about the kingdom of God. I don't like these people who, see, who think they're holier than everybody else. Have you ever considered that you have the privilege to affect that life, to reach into the pits of hell and save that soul and reconcile them back to God? What's God calling us to do? As we walk with the Lord on this journey, where is our place? What's our part to play? Time. What does the Lord ask the disciples to do? Well, sell your possessions. Sell what you have. Give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old alluding really to the fact that God will continually provide for you as you faithfully walk with him. So that worrying about his priorities, his purposes, indeed assures his provision for us. Practically speaking, I mean, we continually make the appeal every week. You don't know how many people stand at this door every week. God, just thankful for getting nowadays just a few items, maybe four or five items in the bag because he didn't have anything through our food redistribution service. So that we continually make the appeal and give and create the opportunity. Hey, sell what you have and give alms. I know, I mean literally, I'm not saying that literally, but this is what the Lord is calling us to be. Part of what he is doing. Even us, I just mentioned that as an example of a way in which we can practically apply that. But... Moving on, talking about getting set for life, we walk on to verse 35, where the Lord indeed calls his disciples, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like 
men who wait for their master. The closest example I could think of in, in this section, verse 35 to, um, 35 to 59, closest example I could think of, I don't know how many of you have seen Downton Abbey. Anybody? Just wave your hands for me. God, not so many. Oh my goodness. You haven't seen Downton Abbey? No way. Can't believe it. Set in 1927, basically, this, 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 the Earl and Countess of one place somewhere in this country <laughs> have these servants who are waiting on them in their castle. They go out, and the servants have to be as in suited up, you know, like what you see in Buckingham Palace, suited up, ready, with all the tails and whatever, you know, complete, with lamps. This is not electricity. I mean, these days if you're waiting for somebody to come back home, you leave the light on in the hallway. <laughs> but back then, you need, as in burning wicker lamps, and they're waiting for the master to come back so that when he comes in, they open the door, take off his coat, take off his this, dress him up for that. Oh. <laughs> These are the kind of things that Jesus is describing here where the servants are waiting for their master. And um, the thing is, in this, in this section, asking the disciples to be like those kinds of servants. Now, notice, while we're talking about getting set for life that is truly life, a lot of this is, is um, with Jesus present among the disciples. This is Jesus who's teaching here. But let me extend this even further. Here we are now, and Jesus is talking future in verse, from verse 35 on of being like servants who are waiting for their master to return from a wedding. So he's talking about the master going away. Well, we believers today, we don't have Jesus with us, do we? So he's talking about managing the, 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 a couple of things, and it, and it leaves us a few questions. How do we as believers now live when the Lord is gone away from us? And how do we live to be also be ready for his return? Um, question, how do we manage while the master is not present? I mean, it's first something to appreciate that the Lord actually himself began preaching the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. He, when Christ came, that's when that preaching of the, of the gospel of the kingdom began. Him, by him, or he began this himself. And then he leaves and appoints believers to work with him and continue to declare and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Question. I'm getting, I'm getting Luke. <laughs> Where are you going with this? The Lord's not here anymore, physically. Do we continue to preach the gospel of the kingdom? Yeah. Is that 
our business or his business? Are we part of what he's doing in preaching the kingdom? It's, it's, it's a real important question because it will determine whether just waiting for the Lord to come, we're set. And the mindset is, yeah, I'm set. I'm part of his, I'm part of his household. I'm among his servants. But I'm just chilling. Everybody else can do the business. I'm here. I'm good. I'm part of his household servants. Leave me in here. That's enough for me. Leave the rest for the pastors. Mikey P can go out to preach. You know, uh, Olive, all the missionaries, they can do the preaching. The pastors can do the teaching as well. Just, I'm good just being one in the house. That's fine for me. But, Notice, he's saying, <laughs> have yourselves ready, waiting for the master's return, to join in the work with him, to declare the kingdom, to preach it. And, you know, before he left, he did so much to teach the disciples to how dependent in a relationship he was on God depending on God to preach the gospel, to do his will, to please him. Last week, Pastor Rob talked to us about um, the Lord right there in the middle of the, what he likens to the political and religious elite and letting them have it as far as, look, you guys are just hypocrites. And they're like, Bro, you know you're insulting us in the things you're saying. And like, boy, he didn't stop there. Carried on and put himself at risk because they sought to lay hold of him. And did they eventually? Oh, yes, they did. But all this time, the Lord's focus was on preaching the will, preaching the kingdom of God, trying to please God. And to preach, of course, the grace of God to those who would believe. Now, <clears throat> for one, the Lord being away means for us that, hey, we have opportunity to, first of all, grow as believers. And as fellow workers. Not just as believers, but also fellow workers with him. Uh, but without him being physically present. I tell you, I'm putting my hand up before I ask the question. If you feel being out there representing for Jesus is difficult, is uncomfortable, it can be embarrassing, you're on the risk of getting cancelled, you're on the risk of being called out as a, oh, goody two shoes, you're holier than everybody. Listen, I put my hand up. Yeah, I fear that as well. But you know what? That's what we're called to do. That is what we're called to do. So that this uh, invitation here, or this instruction here, to the disciples to be ready with their lamps burning as people who are expecting and awaiting the master's return, they will carry on in his business 
even though he is not about. Think about how the church, God's people, first gathered after his departure. We read in the book of Acts about them gathering in Jerusalem. No Jesus there to heal. They had to debate with hypocrites. They had to, no Jesus there to feed crowds. No Jesus to go with to preach the kingdom of God. But instead, we have the Lord who is not visibly present, but giving the assurance, giving us the assurance of his authority, where he says, all power, the risen Jesus, all power in heaven and on earth is given to me and given the command to go, make disciples of all men, teach them to do all things whatsoever I've commanded you. He's given us that authority. He's given us his word to preach. The gospel of, the, of, the, of his kingdom that now is and that will be apparent to all. He's given us his body of believers. That's why we gather. For fellowship, for encouragement, for instruction, and even for service to one another, to the community. So, thinking about this, oh, did I say, did I say that he also has given the church people to lead, to pastor, to teach, to faithfully manage and care for the body as well. Oh, that doesn't leave out praying as well. In fellowship with God for others. There is so much the Lord has given us to do. But doing all that here in this world amongst people like you and me, people who are unjust, people who are oppressive, people who are prejudiced, people who are hateful, as it is, so that we're carrying on in this work as people who are ready, waiting for the Lord who has given us this charge to return. What can we expect as believers? Um, I'm summarizing again because of time. What can we expect as believers? How do we get set for the life that we're expecting from the Lord on return? I just said that we're doing all of these things that the Lord has started and begun and brought us into amongst Amongst, you know, in the middle of a world that is opposed to his kingdom and his coming. Jesus himself, verse 49 in our text, he said he is um, expecting, he expects a baptism of suffering even at the time he's teaching disciples this. 
For us as believers, what do we expect? And how does that impact our lives now? Are we getting set or getting ready for this? For what we are, uh, for what for what life will be like as we wait for the Lord's return? Well, if we look back, we're dealing with sections with the. A few verses from 41 to 49. If we look back, we'll see that some will choose to be faithful and wise stewards. Some will choose to be faithful and wise stewards because Jesus asked the question, who then is the faithful and wise steward, verse 42, whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season. Some will choose to be faithful and wise. Stewards in Jesus' absence. At the same time, the risk is there will be some that will say in their heart, my master is delayed. And begin to not give their fellow servants their portion. Let me make that plain. These are people who were appointed and called to continue in the work of the Lord. You don't need to look too far to see what the Lord is speaking of. Really, in a, in a prophetic sense of things to come, things to expect while he is away. Um, because This division between those who will be faithful and wise, carrying on with the Lord's work, and those who will think, the Lord's not coming. We are in this, but, you know, let's make this what we want it to be. Let's make this about how we want things to work out. This will create division. This will create stress and divisions indeed. And the fact that Jesus makes this clear is helpful. Because as you will see in, verse, in, the, in the next section, verse 49-53, you will find that from then on, or even in his absence, there will be divisions, there will be Five in one house, one, uh, three against two, two against three. Father will be divided against son, and son against father. This is just apparent even in our day. We don't have to look too far to, to see. People ask me the question. I don't know if anybody's asked you. Why are there so many differences in the churches? How come you can say... I'm not welcome into the church, and yet them over there would welcome me happily, welcome me freely, especially thinking even if we go to today's issues where there's all these um, social justice theories, where there's, where there's identity crisis and identity conflicts, things about sexual identity. I mean, where does it take even in our day, 
for a prime minister to have to say, a woman is a woman. And those arguments even seep into the church. Even among those who were supposedly waiting for the Lord's return. I don't know why I always gravitate to these, to, these, to these issues, but they're the things that we see in our day. There will be those who profess to be believers, but who openly live or in contradiction to very clear commandments of God. And these things will create stress and divisions And the Lord makes that clear. There will be divisions. You don't have to look too far again. But it's comforting to hear the Lord speak these things and see that the word that he's spoken over 2,000 years ago is so, so reliable and proving to be true. So, What else is there that we can take from this in terms of getting set for a life that the Lord holds promise and, and promises and preserves in heaven? Because he's spoken about laying up for ourselves. We started out with this guy who wanted, to be, wanted his inheritance and then another guy in a parable who's wanting a great store and preserve of things that would mean life for him. And then the Lord goes on to talk about treasure that's really treasure, that's preserved in heaven, where moths do not destroy. I don't know if you've come across your last year or two years ago, that nice winter cardi that you, you wanted to just bring out now that things are getting cold, and you see it's moth-eaten, there's a hole somewhere. But the Lord talks about treasures in heaven. Isn't, isn't, isn't the Lord so good in terms of just making a point that the things we want to hold on to, they really will pass. But he preserves life that's truly life for those who will give themselves, wait for his return. Live expectantly for his return. Carry on in his business. Carry on in his purpose. Carry on in his kingdom. And seek even that his kingdom is established in the hearts of men. Do we want to get set for that life that's really life? So set that on his return, we will not be, or rather, we will be as ones who are actually living like we're waiting and believing, expecting that he will return. Because rest assured, Jesus will return. I, I, I pause there because, yes. There was a nod and people said, amen, okay. But really, I'm, I'm not looking for an amen. 
and I don't mean to discount what you just did or saying amen, but to make the point that for anyone who doubts it, for anyone who thinks that's mm, it's a bit iffy, there are bits about the, you know, the word of God that I believe and there's some that be a bit too far-fetched, you know, like people raising from the dead. Hey, yes, Jesus died, crucified on the cross, but he rose again. That's real. The Lord will return. The Lord will establish, his kingdom will be established. His realm, his reign is certain. And it even now is. Listen. <laughs> oh, this brother doesn't mind, but I, I, I wouldn't mention his name. Sinners are saved from eternal judgment. Lives are transformed. Someone who you know, my God, this brother, your life has been so off the rails, in fact, lost. But now he's a testimony. All he just needs to do is stand up and say, I used to, da, 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 and say, da, da, da. My goodness, that's enough of a testimony of the kingdom of God. I mean, someone I know used to sleep in cemeteries, blew mad sums of inheritance on things that would just wreck a man's brain. But now it's like sound, like the one that, you know, in the Bible, people said that the city could not hold this guy with chains and everything, and he used to be naked and screaming in the, in the green among the tombs, and then... They come and find him sat at Jesus' feet in his clothes and in his right mind. NHS can't do that. They'll drug you up so <laughs> and get to a point where they just fess up and say, We really don't know. Lost lives are redeemed and made new, filled with hope and true life. And hear this, for those who think you're getting away with injustices, justice is coming. The Supreme Court of wherever it is may have acquitted you and said, no case. Go away, just meddling in other people's business. No case against this chap and walk away proud like a peacock. Justice is coming. You will stand before God. And he will judge in righteousness. And you getting set for that life. And his reign will be forever. It won't be an every four years on May 5th or whatever election. It's out of the question. Not there. He's never going to be recalled. He's never going to be ousted. You will not find any reproach to impeach him. The grief of death, the sting of death will be gone. Death will be abolished. Do I look like I'm crazy? I'm talking truth. Death is conquered in power as Jesus rose from the dead. 
It's hard to take him because, guess what? All we've learned all our lives is that all men die. True. We've learned that. But just as <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let me read that. Just as, and this is truth, take this home. Take this and get set for this life. First Corinthians chapter 15, I read it from verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Let's read it in that version. Christ has been raised from the dead and the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 21 and 22 as well. For since by man death came, by man come also the resurrection of the dead. And as in Adam all die, so even in Christ, all shall be made alive. Science is not there yet. Science is not there yet. You know, science just observes what God has put in place and then come out with laws and say, yeah, this is, what, this is how these things operate. You know? It's, it's fascinating just, just, just seeing how God puts things in place and then science comes long time after and says, yeah, this is how this works. Yeah, good. God has given you the privilege of seeing that. This is God announcing a new thing. Life that's truly life and it's coming with certainty, with assurance. Don't dismiss this life to come. Hence, there is a warning here. There is a warning here, even as we come to the um, end of this passage, there is a warning. We can't carry on as if nothing's happening. We can't carry on as if, yeah, it's business as, as, as usual. We've heard the news about Jesus, we've heard about resurrection, we've heard about the kingdom of God. But let's carry on. Like, you know, that's not going to happen. It's not going to come. At least not in my lifetime. No. You will be raised and see it. You'll be raised and you'll see it. But question, is there any reason why not? Is there any reason why we would just carry on as though nothing's happened? Is it because people can't be trusted? All the reasons I gave earlier on, fear of getting cancelled, social media, you get put, put in Facebook jail for, 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 for telling your faith. I mean, <laughs> oh, I like the welcome I get. They, they invite me when we're going out. They invite me when we're going out for, you know, team lunches. I don't want to get excluded. I'm not saying that we should be obnoxious. 
But how do we now live knowing that the kingdom of God is upon us? It doesn't need too much time, this. But the warning is important. You know, everybody kind of, let me put it in, 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 in quotes, everybody, everybody hates the Khan now for extending, <laughs> for, for, extend, for those who, have, who don't have electric cars and Ulysses compliant cars, they hate Sadiq Khan. But the, the brother was announcing the thing. Long time. And now it's come. We can believe that. This is the Lord of all the earth who has all authority in heaven and earth given to him. He talks about life that's to come. How do we now live? Here's a warning. Let's end on that note. (laughs) Hypocrites. I think he was addressing the disciples, by the way, before this point, because Peter asked a question. Lord, are you speaking to only to us or to all the people? This is for everybody to hear. You can, <laughs> you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you do not discern this time? The leaves are golden, falling off the trees. You know, the retailers have put out their boots, coats, woolly hats, gloves, thin to selling like hot cake. If you're looking for business to go into, you know, online, try selling some of those things you will sell. <laughs> because the seasons, the weather's changing, it's getting cold. People are preparing for that. Jesus is saying, you can tell <laughs> when the weather's changing. <laughs> yes, and why, even of yourselves, do you not judge what is right? Do people not need to be saved? Do we not need redemption from this world that we are suffering and everyone's longing for life? That's truly life, you know? Because you can, you can get to an age where you begin to think, man, what's life all about? Is it, is it just about having, you know, the children, the grandchildren, enough food on the table, nice car, nice house, and, and then one day we just, you know, kick the bucket, as they say. If that's what life's all about, man, empty hope, really. Let's switch off and go home. But we're here for real because the kingdom of God is real. The Lord is returning. And the gospel is preached. If all of this that we hear about the Christ means anything or doesn't mean anything so far, this is a warning When you go with your adversary to the magistrate, make every effort along the way to settle with him, lest he drag you to the judge. Ah, Getting pictures of parking tickets. (laughs) Lest he drag you to the judge. 
And then the judge deliver you to the officer. I mean, imagine, go to court, get a sentence for driving without insurance or something. If they offer a penalty, pay the penalty. The penalty has been paid here. The Lord has actually paid the penalty for sin. We don't have to um, settle for this life as we know it. We don't have to be set for life by trying to acquire and gather and gain stuff materially as though that's what matters, more important than anything else. And even for us as believers, if we're in the kingdom, we don't have to settle for Yeah, it's just okay. Let me just bear the name Christian and that's good enough for me. The Lord has a call on our lives. Unless we don't think he has or has a claim or has paid or is worthy even for the price that he's paid to get us peace with God, to get us to be in his kingdom, to get the the whole of heaven rejoicing on on account of us or even to avoid getting licked like you mentioned, for those who know what to do and didn't do it, getting a severe beating, the Lord's paid the price. He says, he says <laughs> settle. I tell you, you shan't depart from there until you have paid the very last mile. The Lord has made the provision. The Lord has set us up for life that is truly life, even in himself being offered to pay the penalty for us dying because he himself now we, 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 we I just read it to us in Christ now everyone shall live that's life that's truly life shall we get set for that life Let me pray. Lord, thank you um, My prayer, Lord God, is that even as we walk through with Luke, with Theophilus, with you in this journey, as you make your way, as you spoke so many years ago. even for the mindset, looking at our mindset as believers, or even as those who just on the periphery looking in and seeing what things those in the kingdom enjoy or take part in, Lord, help us. It is definitely a general concern for us. We want to see how life pans out. We want things to be good. We want to be set for life. We want to have provision. But thank you for what you have provided. Even giving us a hope of life that's truly life in yourself. And bringing us in to take part in administering that life. And speaking life into situations, Lord God, that you lead us to. Lord, please. I pray that um, much as 
I've spoken here today, just handling your word. I pray, Father, that indeed the people hear, hear what you have prepared, just like you provide food for the ravens and clothe the lilies, that everyone hearing this voice today hears the provision that you have made, even in Christ. Thank you for this, Lord. Even us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.